the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. That's a hard verse, hard words. How do we love our enemy? And for most of us, I think when we come to that verse, we think, well, you know, I didn't punch him in the nose like I want to do, so I'm loving my enemy. I'm restraining myself, right? Uh, But we're going to see here with Jesus what it looks like to love your enemy. He gives us just an amazing example here with Judas and how he treats Judas of what it means to love your enemy. Loving your enemies does involve restraint and mercy. But as Jesus has demonstrated for us, it involves much more than simply withholding your anger. Jesus lived with and walked with Judas for years. He entrusted the management of the disciples' money to him. Was he unaware of the battle in Judas's heart? As Pastor Dan will point out in today's message, Jesus knew Judas's heart better than Judas did. He knew what his betrayer was going to do, yet he chose him and loved him. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of John chapter 13 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. John chapter 13, verse 18. I do not speak concerning all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. Now I tell you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe that I am he. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. When Jesus had said these things, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Then the disciples looked at one another, perplexed about whom he spoke. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom, his chest, one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore motioned to him to ask, who it was of whom he spoke. And then leaning back on Jesus' breast, his chest, he said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is he to whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Now after the piece of bread, Satan entered him. Then Jesus said to him, What you do, do quickly. But no one at the table knew for what reason he had said this to him. For some thought, because Judas had the money box, that Jesus had said to him, 
buy those things we need for the feast or that he should give something to the poor. Having received the piece of bread, he then went out immediately and it was night. Well, just as a reminder from from last week, chapter 13 to the first part of chapter 18 is what is called the upper room discourse. Uh, It covers the last night of Jesus's life before his arrest and crucifixion. So these chapters, 13 to 18, we're talking about just one night when Jesus is with his disciples. Uh, It's called the Upper Room Discourse because it takes place in an upper room in a house in Jerusalem. Uh, Jesus was with his disciples sharing the Passover meal or the Passover Seder, what is commonly called in the church the Last Supper. Uh, It's on this night with the disciples at this meal that Jesus institutes the new covenant in his blood, uh, what, you know, what we call communion. Uh, and it's from the upper room that Jesus will go uh, down through the Kidron Valley to the Mount of Olives, to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. He'll be arrested there, carried away to Caiaphas' house, and he'll be crucified the next day for the sins of the world. Uh, so these are Jesus' final hours with his disciples. And we saw last Sunday that at this, at this meal, at this Passover meal, Jesus washed the disciples' feet. Uh, and he did this to give us an example of humility and an example of servanthood for us to, to copy. Our passage today, it's the same night. They're still in that upper room. They're still at, still at that meal, still around the table. It's the same, same event And in our passage today, Jesus predicts his betrayal by Judas Iscariot. And the thing I want to draw your attention to this morning is the way that Jesus treats Judas Iscariot at this meal. The way that Jesus treats Judas Iscariot at this meal is remarkable, as we'll see. Um, in, the, in, in Matthew chapter 5, you don't have to turn there, but in Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this, listen, but I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Jesus tells us there how we're to treat our enemies. And that's, that's a challenging verse for most of us. How do you treat your enemies? He says, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. And, and for most of us, I would say, that's a hard verse. Hard words. How do we love our enemy? And for most of us, I think when we come to that verse, we think, well, you know, I didn't punch him in the nose like I want to do, uh, so I'm loving my enemy. I'm restraining myself, right? Uh, But we're going to see here with Jesus what it looks like to love your enemy. He gives us just an amazing example here with Judas and how he treats Judas of what it means to love your enemy. Now, Judas Iscariot. Of course, he's one of the 12 apostles that Jesus chose. Uh, Every time Judas's name is mentioned in the Gospels, he's described as the one who betrayed Jesus. The one who betrayed Jesus. Uh, Judas 
was a very popular name in first century Israel. It was a popular name among the Jews uh, because of Judas Maccabeus, who was kind of a national hero in their history. Uh, the last name Iscariot, it means man of Kerioth. Uh, Kerioth was a city in Judea, south of the city of Jerusalem. So Judas is probably from that town, uh, Kerioth. We know from uh, John chapter 12 that Judas was the treasurer of the group. He handled all the money for Jesus and the disciples. He was the keeper of the money bag. Back in chapter 12, we were told that Judas was stealing money from the money bag. He was a thief. Uh, he was stealing money from Jesus. He was stealing money from, uh, from the ministry. Um, in verse 18, Jesus says here now of Judas and his betrayal, he says, I do not speak concerning all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture might, may be fulfilled. He who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. Jesus knows who he has chosen. He knows who he has chosen. When he chose you, and when he chose me, he knew what he was getting. It's not some big surprise. It's not some big disappointment when he chose you or when he chose me. When he chose Judas, he knew Judas would betray him. He knew it when he chose him. He wasn't surprised by this. It wasn't something that was unexpected. Jesus knew. Jesus is God. God is omniscient. God is all-knowing. And so when he chose Judas, he knew that Judas would at this point betray him. So then why did Jesus choose Judas if he knew Judas would ultimately betray him? Well, look at verse 18 again. He tells us here that his betrayal was a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. The betrayal of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, was actually predicted in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament Bible. He says here, quoting from Scripture, so that the Scripture may be fulfilled, he who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. He's quoting there from Psalm 41. And it's describing the betrayal of Jesus by Judas. And I want you to turn with me to Psalm 41 so you can read it in your own Bible and see what the full verse says. Psalm 41. It's Psalm 41, verse 9. Look what it says in verse 9. Even my own familiar friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. Jesus calls Judas here, my own familiar friend, or your translation might say, my best friend. My best friend. Judas was Jesus' best friend. One of my best friends, he says. Now, Talking about loving your enemy here. Jesus knew when he chose Judas that Judas would betray him one day. And yet Jesus was still best friends with him. 
Jesus didn't say, I'm, I, you know, I don't trust this guy. I'm going to keep him at an arm's length because I know he's going to betray me. I'm not going to get too close to him because I know where this is going. I know where this relationship's going to end up. I'm not going to make myself vulnerable in that way where I'm just going to get burned by this guy. So I'm going to play it safe with him. No, he's my best friend. Knowing Judas would betray him. He's my best friend. He, he still was best friends with him. He says, in whom I trusted. Jesus trusted Judas. Pastor Dan will share the second half of today's message in just a moment. But first, he'd like to take a moment to tell you how you can receive prayer for your needs. Do you need prayer today? Every week we receive prayer requests from our listeners. If you need prayer for anything at all, we would like to pray for you right now. You can share your prayer request with us through our website, calvaryec.com. Again, that's calvaryec.com or through our church app or by calling us at 410-491-4592. And can I ask you to pray for us as well? Pray for the Ring of Truth radio ministry as we bring the Word of God to those who need it. Thanks, Pastor Dan, and thank you for praying. Now, let's finish today's message. Again, you know this guy's going to betray you. We would say, don't trust him. Don't trust him with anything. He's going to turn against you. But Jesus trusted Judas. We know that he trusted Judas with the money. He trusted Judas completely. Knowing that Judas would steal the money from him, he still put him in charge of the money. Notice he says, he ate my bread. They shared meals together. And in that culture, uh, you didn't share, share a meal with, with just uh, anyone because uh, a, a meal was, was an intimate thing. A meal was something uh, that, that in their mind, in their culture, uh, you became united with someone that you shared a meal with. There was a oneness. There was a union. There was a bond. There was an identification with someone you shared a meal with. And the psalmist here, speaking of Judas, says, He ate, notice, my bread. He ate my bread. The idea here is Judas acted like he wanted to be united with Jesus. He acted like he wanted to be united with Jesus. He acted like he wanted to be one with Jesus. He he ate my bread. He acted like he, he wanted a relationship with me. But then he lifted up his heel Against me. Now, in the Middle Eastern culture, even still today, uh, showing someone your heel or the bottom of your foot uh, is very insulting. It's very offensive. It's common for men in our culture to cross your legs. Uh, in the Middle East, you never cross your legs because then you're showing the bottom of your foot to someone when, when your legs are crossed. You never show someone the bottom of your foot. It's an insult. Uh, because the foot is considered the dirtiest part of the body, because you're, especially back then, you're wearing sandals, you're walking in the dusty roads, the dirty roads. Uh, so it's very insulting to show someone the bottom of your foot. Judas lifted up his heel to Jesus. That's what it's describing here. Judas showed Jesus the bottom of his foot by betraying him. Insulting. Offensive. Now turn with me over to Psalm 55. Psalm 55, you're in Psalm 41, Psalm 55. 
Psalm 55 is another Old Testament prophetic passage that describes the betrayal of Jesus by Judas. Psalm 55, and you see here, you, you see here the heart of Jesus and the feeling of Jesus as he's betrayed by Judas. Psalm 55, verse 12, for it is not an enemy who reproaches me. Then I could bear it. If it was my enemy that was betraying me, well, then I, then I could bear it, he says. Then I could handle it. Nor is it one who hates me, who has exalted himself against me. Then I could hide from him. But it was you, a man my equal, my companion, and my acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together. We walked to the house of God and the throng and the crowd. Again, it's speaking of the betrayal of Jesus by Judas. And it's, it's, you know, it's Jesus speaking here. And he says, if it was my enemy who reproached me, then I could handle it. Or if it was someone who hated me, who exalted himself against me, then I could just avoid him. Then I could just hide from him. But it was you, my, my equal, my companion, my friend, my acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together. We, we had fellowship together. We had this friendship together. We were close. We went to the house of God together. We, we went to church together. Have you ever been betrayed by a good friend, a best friend? Someone you thought was your best friend? It turns out it was just an act. It turns out they were just using you. It turns out they didn't really mean it. Turns out they were just deceiving you, using you the whole time. Jesus knows what that's like. Jesus knows how that feels to have to be betrayed by your best friend. He knows that kind of pain. That's why you can pour your heart out to Jesus. He understands how that feels. Because it happened to him. Now go back to John 13. Look at verse 19. Jesus says, now I tell you, he's telling his disciples here, before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe that I am he. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. Verse 20, we we have the privilege of being ambassadors for Christ. But in verse 19, Jesus says, I tell you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe that I am he. And notice in your Bible, the word he is in italics. That means it's not in the original text. It was added by the translators to try to clarify the verse for us. But the the verse actually reads that you may believe that I am. I'm telling you ahead of time so that when it happens, you might believe that I am. That's the Old Testament name for God, the covenant name for God. I'm telling you this ahead of time so that when it does happen, then you will believe that I'm God. Then you'll know that I'm God. And he's God incarnate. You know, God even says a similar thing back in the Old Testament. The Lord Jehovah, uh, in Isaiah 42, verse 8, he says, I am the Lord, I am Jehovah, Yahweh. That is my name and my glory I will not give to another, nor my praise to carved images. Behold, the former things have come to pass and new things I declare before they spring forth. I tell you of them. He says, I'm Yahweh. That's my name. And 
New things I declare before they spring forth, I tell you of them. God is omniscient. He's all-knowing. And because he's all-knowing, he can tell us future events before they happen. That's how we know that it's God. It's from God because only God is omniscient in that way. And Jesus says a similar thing here. he's, He's declaring his deity in a sense here. And he says, I'm telling you this ahead of time so that you will know that I am. When it happens Uh, over in chapter 14 of John, verse 29, he says a similar thing. And now I have told you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe. Jesus tells his disciples ahead of time what will happen so that they will know that he's God. He's in control, that all of this is according to his plan. It's not something that's unexpected. It's not something that caught him off guard or by surprise. It was all according to his plan and his purposes. You know, 27% of the Bible is prophecy. More than one quarter of the Bible is predictive. It's describing future events. And in some cases, it's describing future events hundreds and thousands of years before they actually happen. That's one way that we know that the Bible is is from God, that the Bible is God's word, is because of prophecy. Jesus demonstrated that he's God by predicting his betrayal, his death, burial, and resurrection before it even happened. So that when it does happen, the disciples don't freak out, although they still did, but so that they wouldn't freak out and that they would know that Jesus is God. And that's why he told them ahead of time. Now, verse 21, Jesus very clearly tells his disciples he will be betrayed by one of them. Again, remember, this is at the Passover dinner. They're sitting at a table in an upper room, uh, what we would call the Last Supper. They're sharing this meal. This is their last night together. He's going to be betrayed in a short time and arrested uh, and carried off to be condemned. These are his final moments with his disciples In verse 21, when Jesus had said these things, he was troubled in spirit. And he testified and said, most assuredly, we would say, listen carefully. I say to you, one of you sitting at the table with him will betray me. Jesus, we're told, was troubled in spirit. That phrase means he was anxious. He was distressed. He was restless. He was stirred up emotionally. It's the same word that's used in Matthew 14 when the disciples were caught in the storm on the Sea of Galilee. Remember that story? It's the middle of the night. They're in a boat. Jesus isn't with them. They get caught in the storm. They're in the storm for hours. And then Jesus came walking to them on the water. And when they saw Jesus, initially they thought he was a ghost. And it says that they were, they were troubled in spirit. And what that means is they were freaked out, right? Because now you think you're going to die in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the night, and now a ghost is walking towards you on the water. You're freaking out. That's the same word that's used here to describe Jesus. We don't typically think of Jesus as freaking out. This is the same guy that casts out legions of demons, that calms a storm, no big deal. But now he's freaking out. He's troubled in spirit. He's troubled in spirit because... Judas will betray him, one of his disciples. He asked me how I know, and I say, bring true. 
If you missed any part of today's message or would like to hear more of Pastor Dan's teachings from 1 John, you can do so right now at calvaryec.com. Just click on media. In fact, there's an entire library of Pastor Dan's messages that you're welcome to listen to and even share with friends and family. Would you do us a favor? Would you join us in praying for the ministry of Ring of Truth? Please pray for Pastor Dan and everyone involved in this program that we would continue to listen and respond to what our Heavenly Father has to say. Pray too for your brothers and sisters in Christ listening along with you that they would be protected from the enemy and that the truth and blessing of Scripture would fuel their passion for following the Lord. Thank you for taking the time to pray. Though our time with you is at an end for today, we'd like to encourage you not to shut your Bible just yet. Continue reading in the book of 1 John or take some time to explore any of the other 65 books in God's Word. Each one reveals new aspects of your relationship with your Creator and will open your eyes to His purpose and plans for this world and for you. We pray you are blessed richly as you continue an extended time of learning from Scripture. Thanks for tuning in today, and join us next time for another edition of Ring of Truth.